HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. What can the book Extreme You, Step Up, Stand Out, Kick Ass, Repeat, teach us about moderation in life? Author Sarah Rob O'Hagan joins us in a brand new series. It's Monday, April 10th, and this is Love Bites Radio. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Orpozo. I'm 35 and single, and you can find me as at Words Food Art. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am 34 and in a relationship, and you can find me as at Ben Rose NYC. Ben, we have a new series now. We are out of endings. Thank God. I know you're happy about it's this It's getting one. a little depressing. Well, we ended on a lighter note. True. We did. True. But it's a brand new day. I'm excited, and I realize the sun is shining. The weather is nice. I've got allergies. You do but. have allergies. Well, yeah. Any, all right. Let's not let's not go downhill from here. Um, so we haven't. I realized we have not filled our listeners in on our dating lives in a while, and I know a lot of them listened for that. So we are sorry. But Ben, you are still in a relationship. I am. I'm How a- long is it now? Ooh. Well, actually, we're coming up on. A year <gasps> since the first kiss. Wow. Yeah. Our kiss anniversary, which kiss-aversary. we are calling it, is uh, coming up on April 24th. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I How am, about you? Are you... Are you? I'm still single. Okay, but are you... Have but you been I'm, on any good dates or anything lately? No, actually, I've been moderating my dating life. The, towards the end of 2016, I was dating a little too exuberantly. 
I had the three guys. What does that, that mean? Well, I had the three guys at once thing, and then I had the one guy, and then I had the other guy, and then I had one Wait, more the guy. three guys at once, meaning you were dating three guys no, don't, no, simultaneously, you not, or there were like three guys the, at you once? You remember okay, the three yeah, guys okay, know, simultaneously, know, know. and then one guy, and then one guy, and then one guy, and I was tired, and then it got cold, um, and so then I stopped, and now I'm sort of like dipping my toe in and I don't know. What does I'm that moderating. mean? What does dipping toe like I sort mean? Of went, I sort of went back online but I'm not really, my heart's not in it yet. So you're I've accepting got, I've got more messages interesting but not thing. responding kind of thing? I responded to one but I still don't really know if I care. I've got far more interesting things to do right now and I'm sort of like in, I'm in the in real life thing where the digital world is not as exciting to me right now. Like people and humans and flowers and sunshine and reading books that are made of paper. Well, I know one human that is particularly <gasps> I know. exciting who has a to book. us right now who, who happens has a to be book made sitting in this room with us. Week. So why don't I let our audience yes. know who she is? Perfect. Sarah Rob O'Hagan is the CEO of Flywheel. She has held previous leadership positions at Equinox, Gatorade, Nike, and Virgin, has been described as Superwoman Undercover, and the Pied Piper of Potential, and has been named among Fast Company's most creative people in business. Her book, Extreme You, was released April 4th by Harper Business. She also has a very charming accent. Uh, welcome to the studio. Hi. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. I'm so excited to be Yay. here. This is awesome. So for the first half of the show, let's talk about, um, I guess something that will help us moderate our lives, either our work lives or our relationships, the idea of saying no, how, because we're going to get to this in the second half of the show, why Sarah's life and book inspired this question. But um, let's talk about how we choose projects or relationships, if we have any sort of set parameters that help, parameters that help us moderate. Sarah, do you want to kick us off? Like, how do you figure yeah. out either work or in relationships, how to not say yes to everything? Yeah, it's so funny. I literally wrote a blog post over the weekend about how to deal with rejection in mm. the job searching process. <laughs> but in actual fact, I realized that sometimes you get rejected and you actually kind of weren't right. into it either and you kind of know it and you probably gave off that vibe anyway. Right. And so I think saying no is important to do when you're just not fucking feeling it, you know? Right. <laughs> do you think it, for you, does it come from a sense of like gut instinct or is it logic or is those the same thing? Definitely more gut. I think when it comes to particularly jobs, it's like it's about the opportunity but it's about the people, the culture, mm -hmm. you know, some, not all of it's going to add up perfectly, but your gut's going to scream at you, right? If right. it's feeling right. And I think that's a good one to listen to. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. I, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about how I choose projects. No, work okay. Project. Yes, okay. of course, please. Fine, no, please. <laughs> um, no, yeah, because, because it, it can be tricky and, you know, sometimes your gut is saying no, but you're like, damn, I need the money or, mm -hmm. you know, like I just really want to be doing something mm -hmm. right now. Right. And, uh, as an actor, sometimes when I'm not doing something for a long period mm -hmm. of time, it can be really challenging. Um, so I tend to ask myself three questions about a project and decide, if the answer is yes to two or more, I will do the project. Will you share what the questions are? Here are the three are? questions. Oh. One, will this be artistically fulfilling? Mm -hmm. Two, will this or does this have the potential to advance my career forward? Mm -hmm. Three, is the money good? Mm -hmm. mm. And if the money's good and it's going to be really fulfilling, but like it's going to kind of stagnate me, that's 
fine. Right. You know, if the if it's going to really propel my career forward and I'm going to be really fulfilled doing it, but it's the money's not great, I'll still probably do it. The money is kind of the one now that's right. the toughest one mm. to do without. But um, most of the time, things that aren't going to advance your career or be creatively fulfilling aren't you going to offer? Are not going to offer you so much money exactly true. that it's going to be worth it. Exactly. Yeah, I think those are pretty similar to my work parameters as yeah. a as being a freelance writer. That like, it's got to offer me enough mo- like good money to write something or be or like I mean I have a base level for what I will I say no to or yes yeah. to. But um, I'm curious yeah. though for you because we were talking about how now you're starting to dip your toe I back into the dating do world. I knew you were gonna what do, do you have any like <laughs> oh, sort yeah. of set parameters yes, right now for your romantic life? Well, I do as far as not for like first date potential because actually I go with my gut for that, mm. and that's been the thing about why I'm only like half back into dating mm. because if there's like a profile that I'm like, and eh, you know I don't know. Which we've talked a lot in the past about like no expectations and you can never tell from online dating what somebody's going to be in real life. But like I said, because I have so much interesting stuff happening and the in real life thing is more interesting anyway, like I'm going to go with my gut about a profile and just not worry about the rest of it. But for, for somebody to have actual potential for in a partnership for me, three very simple things. Mm-hmm. They have to be a curious human being because mm-hmm. that means they'll be into books and other cultures Mm -hmm. and radio or whatever the medium will be. They'll be curious about other people. They have to be passionate about something. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's their job, but they have to be passionate and want to wake up every morning and be, do, do something with their life. And they have to be a good human being, which is, I know an obtuse word, but being a good human being, whether it's because God tells you to, or preferably you just want to look in the mirror and respect yourself. Being a good human being will make you, be kinder to people and make stronger choices. And so those three things are the only things that I really, but all three of them really have to be in line with someone in order for me to, in order for me to contemplate a third date and a fourth date, I'd say by the, by the second date, if like one of them is gone, there's no third date. (laughs) And the third date is like the date. So yeah. The date meaning, meaning what? Well, meaning, meaning that, meaning it's it like could a make go. a break date. Yeah. So I have to, I'm allowed to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. You can ask your question. <laughs> I have to ask because I uh, was on the shelf, as my mother was kind enough to tell me mm. for years before I met my husband, but we didn't have online dating uh, in those uh, days. And I wonder today, is it harder because there are so many people you could choose from? Like, do you find yourself going date after date after date and going, hmm? Because there's there's always someone else to go. You know to what me, I mean? it's not the choice. It's the it's the it's the lack of. Um, I think we've sort of concluded it's a lack of common etiquette or expectation. Like you never know. Like n- there's mm. no. It's we don't have the etiquette that we have in in human contact yeah. or the instinct we have in human contact. So there's so many missed connections and there's so many like ghosting where you just stop talking to somebody. It's just like it's a it's a wild wild west. Be- yeah. Because you are really only you're not dealing with an actual human being for so much of the process. You're <laughs> yeah. just dealing with a picture and yeah. like words. It becomes easier, I think, and it, it's I fu- I found myself when I was doing a lot of online dating right. having to work harder to treat the person with the same respect that I would mm-hmm. if I met them and, yeah. as a person. And people become tend to become a little bit more kind of disposable, which is right. <laughs> an interesting yeah. word given your current... Right. Um, yeah, well, which our listeners don't know about. We'll, well, we'll fill them in later. We'll fill, we'll fill you in later. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, it kind of becomes easier to toss someone aside because, yeah, there are 
so many more right. pe- like the next person yeah. to send a message to or yeah. whatever look at and get excited about alright we're putting sort of we're putting world. dating moderation on the list for this series I'll, okay. I'll figure a guess for that but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, why don't we play a quick game before we take a commercial because after the break we're going to pick Sarah's brain more deeply about this idea of extreme you versus moderate you um, so listeners in the joy that is now I think this is inspired by wait wait don't tell me basically I listen to that podcast on WNYC a lot and they play a lot of games and so this is where I get to make up a game for y'all every week. So this week we are having uh, a truth or dare, uh, not a truth or dare, truth or a true dare. or false. I know I've been pondering that. how to do that. Actually, I've been pondering how to do truth or dare on the radio. That's to come. Sorry, not truth or dare, true or false. Um, and this is the Reducetarian Solution version because our guest next week is Brian Kateman. Mm-hmm. He is the president and founder of... Um, the Reducetarianism movement and his book, The Reducetarian Solution, is coming out on April 18th. He will be on our show the 17th. Uh, Reducetarianism is Am about. Am I the only one wondering yeah, what yeah, Reducetarianism yeah. is? I'm going to tell you. Your thought bubble is <laughs> okay. my thought bubble. I'm going to tell you, I promise. Um, so basically, this week, our true or false is going to be about Brian's book. And then next week, when he's on the show, his true or false with Benjamin is going to be about Sarah's book and some cross author, you know, oh, debut love. Love that. Um, so, Reducetarianism, and the reason why uh, Brian is coming on the show, is about moderating or reducing your consumption of uh, red meat, poultry, and uh, seafood. Ooh, I don't think I'm going to like that movement very much. So it's Me basically either. all right. So here, so there's three questions. They're true or false. You have to choose together. And if you win, you get some oatmeal from Bob's oh. Red Mill, one of the sponsors oh, of Heritage oatmeal. Radio Network. So you guys have to choose together. There's only three questions. Number one. Oh, and listeners also, sorry, listeners. Uh, right now, uh, there is a blog post on lovebitesradio.com that has information about everything you're hearing today, including the answers to this and links to Brian's book and links to Sarah's book and all that fun stuff. They so get the you answers can, first? Yes. That's the way it works. So, question number one. According to Kateman and his 70-plus essay contributors, that's what the book is comprised of, it will take individuals just cutting their meat consumption a recommended 20% to make a positive transformation on the health of their own diet and the planet. True or false? My guess, Sarah, would be true. Yes, it kind of sounds true to me, but I don't know if I want to believe it. (laughs) You going with true? I'm going with true. Okay. False. Oh. It is, but it's good news for both of you because it's only ten percent. Oh, okay. We you go. only have. Okay, I know. See, I tricked better. you. Well, you only have true. to. Do, I know. That's why I said a recommended twenty percent. Oh. That's why I see my my word nerd, my word nerd caveat there. It's a trick question. I know it was. Me. I know it was. <laughs> but it's because I wanted to make you feel better by the fact that it's only ten percent. They say that it. I'm still not willing to do I, that. Yeah, I know. I still don't want to do <laughs> it. It only takes ten percent to transform the lives of animals. Animals, our body, and the planet, which I thought was the cool thing about this whole idea that if we just reduce our consumption, including just reducing your portions or your plate sizes by 10%, um, animal product will make a huge impact on uh, our bodies and planet. Number two. This is a. We got to get this one. I know. Well, we. <laughs> so here, so here's how Brian ident- uh, Here's how he explains this idea. Reducetarianism is an identity, a community, and a movement. It is composed of individuals who are committed to eating less less red meat, poultry, and seafood. So, true or false? Vegans and vegetarians are all do re- are also reducetarians, according to Kateman. True or false? True. Oh, you think it's a trick, trick question? Uh, 
Yeah. Well, she's doing this wordplay thing with us here. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. Uh, yeah. Let me hear the. Yeah, let me hear the quest, the statement one more time. The statement? Yes. Reducetarianism is an identity, a community, and a movement. It is composed of individuals who are committed to eating less meat, <laughs> red meat, poultry, and seafood. See, to me, it's, that sounds like a different movement yeah, than true. vegetarianism You've, or yeah. veganism. So, and so I would maybe say false, but yeah. I don't want to steer I don't want Sarah to blame me for getting too wrong in a row. <laughs> so I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. False. It's true. Oh, no! See? That's my fault. Never, don't ever listen to me. Don't ever listen to me. Reducetarianism is inclusive in that vegans and vegetarians are also reducetarians because they, too, have reduced their meat consumption. Damn. This new perspective provides everyone with a platform. Okay, all right. Vitor, I've had enough one. out of you over in Come the on. booth over we there. got the next one. Vitor, I adore you. Don't stop. Um... All right, last one. I leave this. I'm just letting you take this one. Last one. <laughs> because I'm bad news. True or false. The book claims Christian principles support the argument for meat and seafood moderation. False. I'm not touching this. True. Oh! No, no, she got it wrong. I got it wrong. Vitor. <laughs> we kind of sucked. Oh, my God. <laughs> Clearly, we are Wait. not going to be proud of this movement. Was there only three questions? Yes. Oh no. no. Over oh, three. Over three. The worst performance so, in Love Bites ever. history. On pages 64 and 65. So basically, I just looked up moderation in the index and yeah. it sent me to pages 64 and 65. Author Karen Swallow Pryor spells out Christianity's complicated relationship to food. She quotes the book of Proverbs addressing the eating of meat with be not amongst drunks, drunkards or amongst gluttonous eaters of meat, as well as Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew and the Old Testament instructions further fleshed out and the Jewish Talmud for the proper way to slaughter and prepare meat. Well, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I think we need to just go have a delicious porterhouse or something like that. <laughs> totally. Well, you're also, well, we're all winners. I mean, according to Bob's Red Mill, you are welcome to oatmeal. We are all winners. Yeah, here I'm they good are with that. Let's take oh, our oatmeal and run, man. Exactly. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I, I got all of them wrong. You got oh, all of them wrong too, Vitor? All okay, right. Okay, it wasn't just us. And, yeah. I, see, and, I, I and you gave our listeners the answers it, first, so they don't give count. I listeners the answers first. But I, and I did put, it's funny because I did put that 10, 20% first to see if I could trick you because before I had it on the third one, I was like, it's going to be too easy. They're going to get them all. So I love this game. All right, listeners, we're about to take a commercial. But before we cut to it, we want to remind you that you can find all of our 70 episodes now at Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you listen to us or any of the other 35 live weekly shows on Heritage, we'd appreciate you becoming a member today and joining us at members-only events and fun other stuff. You can do that by by clicking on the beating heart at the top right of your page there. And if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, please click on those stars and let us know what you think of the show. And we're always available as at Love Bites Radio on social media and via email, lovebites at heritageradionetwork.org. We truly appreciate you doing all of those things. We'll be right back. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. When you mill whole grains, you get all three parts, the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. 
The bran, or the roughage, makes up about 14% of the whole grain. It's the outer skin of the edible kernel. It contains large amounts of B vitamins, some protein, trace minerals, phytochemicals, but most importantly, dietary fiber. The germ is only about 2.5% of the kernel. It's actually the sprouting section of the seed, what's going to grow into a plant. It's usually separated during milling process because it contains most of the fat and therefore has a shorter shelf life. The endosperm is the main energy storage unit of the seed. That's where the growing plant gets its energy before it can start photosynthesizing and making its own. It makes up a huge portion of the grain, about 83%, and it's the main source that's used for white flour. When you make white flour, you get rid of the germ and the bran and just have the white endosperm left. It contains almost all the carbohydrates. It also contains protein and iron and some of the other B vitamins as well. It's kind of what you classically think of when you're thinking of flour. So all that's there when you're milling with whole grains. But when you mill with whole grains, you also get the bran, which is the kind of roughage and gives that, that's what gives that, that kind of color to it. Also gives you extra fiber that uh, helps you to be regular. And you also get the germ, which adds the fat and the flavor, which we all like from whole grains. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. And we are back with Sarah Rob O'Hagan. And uh, I just want to quickly quote something that is on her website, extremeu.com. Have naked ambition, vulnerable, humble, and open to learn. We're going to get to that towards the end of our little chat here. Um, But to start out with, what do you think about the idea of moderation overall? Since your book is called Extreme U, and a lot of the talks that you give, which, by the way, listeners are also on lovebitesradio.com if you want to link out and check her very inspiring videos out. So since your your life and your work is about extreme choices in life and our, being our biggest badassest selves, <laughs> what do you think about the idea of moderation? Well, I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive, actually. And I do think to be extreme you is to be fulfilled is to know what blows your hair back, is to know when you shine, when you thrive. And part of that is knowing that you have to have moderation in certain parts of your life. You can't do everything on the extreme. Um, But really, the idea for me of being extreme you is about optimizing yourself. And I think that does include some kinds of moderation. (laughs) I love the phrase, blows your hair back. That's my new favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how so how do you in your daily life moderate? Like, is, are there habits that you know you moderate versus like with? Well, we know that you're not a vegan or a vegetarian. Yeah, we've <laughs> learned that. We've yeah. learned that. So, like, what's a daily lifestyle habit that you do find is better that makes you a healthier, more balanced, mm. more productive person because you moderate it versus you know going to one extreme or the other? I'd start with dieting. Like I was one of those extreme dieters in my twenties. I'm probably dating myself, but I figure being like, you're such an active person. No, but I was like, honestly, I was really quite obese at one point in my life. Oh yeah. Like over 200 pounds at one point. And I was picture it. No, it's like, I, I, I literally, one of my closest friends used to nickname me Cash and the Elephant, who was a famous elephant from our local zoo. Mm-hmm. Your best friend nicknamed <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's how we roll in New Zealand. But, um, but it's funny. I was always very athletic, but I was, I was very extreme on the dieting. That classic, I think a lot of females do it, where you starve yourself trying to lose weight, and then you end up binge eating, and then mm. the whole thing is bad. And 
it's so funny because the thing that led me to getting healthy was when a nutritionist said, eat a burger, just go try it. Mm. <laughs> and once you actually start, burgers are good. We're, you and Amazing. I, we're so on the same page. Oh, no, I am too. Yeah, I like burgers like, too. I eat burgers too. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that's one of those things, dieting in uh. general, I really hate. Like, I think you have to do it in moderation. Like, I eat candy, I like wine, I like my burgers, and I'm also, like, every now and then I'm just careful about not overeating as well. I think it's one of those things, you know what your body needs. I think that's really, um, I think that's a really impressive sort of journey to come Mm. from one extreme and then not go, or not even extreme, but to to find a healthful balance of eating, because that's so hard for a lot of people, and I think women especially, to not once you've gone to one side, go so far to the other and to find a healthy way. So yay to that nutritionist for sort of helping you find that balance. Totally. So hard as a woman. Yeah. So hard. Totally. You made a huge career change, yeah. a huge career shift when you left your post at mm-hmm. Equinox. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm curious if you found that to be a extreme move <laughs> or was that an exercise in moderation and a sensible choice when you left there? I think it was an extreme choice for sure. And it was a shit your pants terrifying choice at the time because I didn't know what was going to be on the other side but I do think that what came with it after the first kind of three months of total panic and there was total panic of like what am I doing then I do feel like it was actually more of a moderate choice because it slowed me down and gave me a lot of time to be thoughtful to just think about what I wanted to do. And I think for all of us, when you're multitasking and doing multiple jobs and you're probably acting in multiple things at the same time, you're always on the go and you're sort of checking things off your to-do list and you're not looking up at the horizon and going, what's out there? You know, what do I want to do next? And it ended up giving me that time and space, which was awesome, actually. Now, you quit Equinox to write the book. Mm-hmm. So it was specifically to do these interviews and to sort of figure out. And so you had um, you'd been working on this idea of mm. what our extreme uses are. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like that extreme uses. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. So how did that time, like, did that time and space change that perspective at all from going from Equinox, which, you know, is a beautiful mm-hmm. gym, you know, mm-hmm. franchise and is, I mean, I was a member for many years. Like they're beautiful. Good. They're, yeah, they're beautiful they're locations, beautiful. And, but they're very much about being active and moving forward. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you have this quiet, you know, quieter yeah. mm-hmm. um, life. I mean, like, did that teach you anything new about the idea of yeah, being extreme? And- I, I would say two things. Like one is the interviews themselves. So I'm interviewing everyone from, you know, Condoleezza Rice, our so former cool. secretary of yeah. state, to Mr. Cartoon, a tattoo artist. I mean, could not be more variety in the kinds of people. And the stories were so inspiring. So that in and of itself was teaching me, you know, every day I'd get done with an interview and be like, pow, pow, I'm ready to go. This is so exciting. Um, but I do think the slowing down for myself was, yeah, like I was just spending more time like being in the moment instead of just do, do, doing. And I think that made a really big difference to how I thought about things for sure. And what about for what you wanted with your life moving Mm. forward? How did that shift your perspective on like what the next step was going to be? I just think I, I was getting there anyway, but I, it really made me focus on, and listen, I'm about to turn 45. So I, that tells you where I'm at. Maybe this is a midlife crisis, but (laughs) 
I, I realized it was like less about just doing stuff for the sake of getting to achieve something and more about like when you get to the end, this journey's going damn fast. And are you going to look mm. back and say, wow, I really had an awesome time. And did I spend those moments having an awesome time? You know, it, it really made me reflect on what fulfillment's about. <sighs> Yeah, listeners, before the show, I pulled in an 18-year-old journal that had a letter from Ben in it, and that was a very similar takeaway that I got from it. It was like 18 years ago. Like, I have this book of like that of what's important, these letters from people. So, yeah. So cool. Hot dang. Yeah. Um, when you when you mentioned how the interview slowed you down and being in the moment, I that's one of, I think, the coolest things we get to do is just listening to people. Yeah. And it does force you to be in the moment, so you can listen do you remember uh, a story from one of the people that you interviewed that sort of helped you appreciate the idea of moderation in the long game? Because one of the things that I love about the idea of extreme you and that you've talked about in several of your, your presentations and in the book and on your website is that the people that you interview and you yourself, it's not like these were overachievers in high school and people that were winning medals and always getting accolades. Like these weren't the mm-hmm. A plus students that we all that I was not. And, you know, like, but these are people that with persistence and finding their, you know, finding their, their grain of sand that they sort of, you know, rolled into a pearl or whatever. I don't know where mm-hmm. I'm going with that. Um, so is there some, is there, is there a story that you can relate to us about the idea of like gentle, but constant pressure or about yeah. the long game that really has stuck with you? Well, what I definitely took away from it is it's never too late. I mean, some of them, you know, there was one particular story about Amrita, um, who is, she was in the music business as a executive, you know, marketing person managing the likes of Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. Yet deep down inside, she was a singer, artist like herself, who had kind of put that to the side and just, you know, she's already well into her 30s thinking, mm-hmm. my career is this, I've been to business school, I'm doing, but yet was becoming more and more depressed because she was supporting all these other artists when in fact she was an artist you know Mm -hmm. and it's a long and beautiful story about how she basically ends up singing at the oscars when slumdog millionaire became what it became because she's a beautiful indian singer and she's now gone on to have this great artistic career i mean that started in her late 30s you know what i mean and it's never too late and it's never it, it made me realize that even if you feel like you've been going hard at it, you know, to, to get your career going, and it's just not something you love. It's never too late to change it up. It really was a great awakening, I think. That's very comforting. Yeah. No, it is. Because the other uh, thing I will say about her story and many of them in the book is that whatever they did early on ended up benefiting. I mean, she's gone on and built an entire brand around herself because she had all these skills that she could put together, you know? I want to touch back on moderation again as it pertains to this because Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, sometimes we decide we want something different when we're at a later age or whatever. There's, as people, we're so complex and have so many different things that we want. How do we balance all the different things that we want? You want to have a family and be a parent and be a great mom or dad how do you balance that with your career ambition and be extreme in all those ways at the same time or not you know or or not not. yeah yeah I mean I think it is about and even her story showed this too is kind of being willing to slow down a bit to speed up so in her case like the the years of indulging and developing her art again she had to let go of a lot of the other stuff to do that. Like in my case, the years of having small children, you know, who are keeping you up all night, of course, slows down your ability to do other things. So I, I do think 
what I would say the moderation side of all of this is understanding it's like one of the people I interviewed described it as you have different engines in your life at different and different times and you've got to figure out which ones to turn on and off in terms of what you're trying to prioritize and in terms of managing your own energy. So to go back to the quote that I pulled from your website, have naked ambition, vulnerable, humble, and open to learn. So to, <laughs> because I love that because, um, uh, ben and I joked last week on the show. He asked me if I struggle with moderation or not. And with food, like I still, I, in some ways I'm, I moderate in some ways. I'm like, no, I, if I'm going to, if I'm not going to do something, I cut it out. Like as soon as I make the decision to do something, I stop it versus like, if I say I'm going to do less of some, it's a lot harder to do less and to moderate than it is mm. to cut it out. Do you have that problem, I agree ben? with that. I never asked you that. Is to... it easier for you to cut something out or to mm. moderate it to like cut down? I think cold turkey is easier for me. It's yeah. easier for you. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. All right. So we're all on board with that. Yeah. That like for some reason, once you yeah. just make a decision, you do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. So how, so any advice on how to both be like to honor that, like to mm -hmm. be people who are strong willed mm -hmm. and make decisions and go for it and go with our gut but also have naked ambition and be vulnerable and be humble because sometimes if you go with your gut and you move forward quickly, like I found, I re like you can, you can do things too quickly. You can push people over the edge. You can become too, totally. like, too type A. You can totally. push people away. So how do you balance doing both of those things or recommend yeah. other people do so? And trust me, I have learned that one the hard way. I'm yeah. still learning that one because yeah. every step of my career, I've always had bosses like, you're so impatient. I had this Italian boss. You're so impatient, so impatient. <laughs> like, it'll come, you know. Probably do. Certain, <laughs> certain like, cultures are probably oh, driving yeah. me nuts in that. For totally, that, just right? Like, yeah. Totally. But I, it's a very good question because I also do think one of the biggest lessons I learned from interviewing people for this book was – the importance of other people in their lives and the partnerships, whether it was family, a spouse, whether it was at work, you know, or a buddy like you two, like you're partners that help each other. Right. And it, the fact is if you have all this passion for something and you'll go, 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 but people haven't caught up with you, <laughs> they're not on the bus with you. You're not going to get nearly as far as if you can actually just take a breath and let them catch up. And and I do remember in some of my experiences, my Italian boss, when, when we were turning around Gatorade, it was like, I could see where we had to go. And I was like, Taipei, I'm ready. We got to run. But we had armies of people who were like, yo, I'm not caught up with this change. Yet. <laughs> you know? And you have to learn to slow down, to speed up, you know, to bring them along. Like that. Patience is such a virtue up. that I lack so <laughs> often in my life. Slow yeah. down to speed up. Yeah. And to the patience that. is a virtue, because I agree, like, the one thing I would say to your whole moderation thing is, like, I look back on my career, and if there's one lesson, it was, like, huge highs and crashing lows, like, getting fired, nearly getting deported. I think I could have been a little bit more moderate yeah. <laughs> and not added so much stress to my life, you know? It's interesting, though, because I have that thought a lot, and I, I often 
when I'm talking to people, I'll like do this kind of graph that our audience can't see with my hand where I'll be like, <laughs> I would rather have a life that's like this when my, my graph on the seismic scale is going like way up and then way down than one that's kind of like this, which kind yeah. of hovers around the middle because this one just feels a little, yeah. it's more stimulating. It's more mm-hmm. exciting. It's yeah. more exciting. And this one feels is like kind of maybe more, it's definitely more stable, but a little yeah. more boring. Yeah. And I, I had that thought very recently that like the more stable your life gets, the more boring it kind of gets and that kind of sucks i don't, I don't know? know though i don't know yeah, see thank you Sarah. it's true Sarah it's, just whispered she's kind of with yeah, it i feel like we, i feel like we could have a long discussion about this but no here's what i would say is because i love what you just said because here's i think everyone's different right like one of my closest girlfriends i remember was talking about to me getting advice on a big promotion and it was terribly scary And I think people like you and I thrive on that, the drama of the up and the down. Like, I find that stimulating. I fired myself from a job because I had got bored, you know. But then there's other people that that is not the way they're wired, and that's incredibly stressful and scary. And therefore, that's not the route they should go. Like, there's there's ways to get to the same end in a more methodical, careful way, I would say. Ah, interesting. (laughs) You're not one of those people. Apparently. No, I no, I am. I just can't physically be anymore, yeah. and so that's why mm. I'm struggling with this idea of moderation. Like I'm, it's very. I mean, like that's it's a whole other show to discuss that. But like that's the problem that I'm having is that I'm this big person in this body that can't do it anymore, mm. and so that's why this idea of moderation. I was like, I got to figure out how to mm-hmm. be a more moderate person. Well, good thing we have a few more shows to discuss. I know that's why. I, that's why yeah. I selfishly was like, I'm going to do a series on this so I can figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. I know. I love having a radio show. Sarah, thank you so much I know. for joining it's us. It's a great way to kick it off. I know, right? I know. This is fun. Congratulations awesome. on your book. Thank you. Listeners, you can find a lot more information about Sarah at our website, lovebitesradio.com and at extremeu.com. There are links to purchasing the book as well. Um, I think that's it for this week. Oh, no, we do have an announcement. We have a very exciting members-only happy hour. So if you click on that beating heart and become a member, you can join us. It's at Three's Outpost at Franklin and Kent, Wednesday, April 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. There's a book signing with Kathy Airway, the host of Eat Your Words and the author of The Food of Taiwan. Um, This is going to be the first in an ongoing series of member-exclusive happy hours to celebrate the works of our hosts. So uh, we hope that you will join us then. And if you're not... Uh, a member yet? Become one. It's time. Put our name. Put our name in the handle. We'd really appreciate it. And more information is at heritageradionetwork.org. Um, so that is our show for this week. Please join us next week when we got Brian Cateman of the Reducetarian Reduc- Solution. I don't know in. about him. You're gonna love him. I got all his questions wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you want a burger and a quarter? I, yes. We won't. Tell what if him I show that. up with like a big burger? I'm sitting here with a big burger. Me and a- too. No, I think. You know, well, I'll tell you more about him next. I'll week. be like, it's ten percent less than I normally eat. See, I'm good. That's, that's the <laughs> whole point. But see, now you'll know. Yeah, it's true. Now you're gonna be a lot more informed. So see. It's true. Thank you for see, saving it's, my ass. It's working out. Um, so yeah, so we're going to quiz him about Sarah's book next week, and we're going to dig into more of these moderate choices with eating uh, meat and seafood. So until then, thank you so much to our engineer, Vitor. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. We are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. And Love Bites will be back at the same time here next week at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. See ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.